From Moby.co, this is the Flagship Pod, your weekly podcast giving you clarity into the stock market, the economy, and the various market forces powering the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this way just a really big whirlwind day, folks. It's earnings season in Apple, Amazon, Meta. All the big names are reporting earnings, and everyone's kind of going in a lot of different directions. I'm amazed to see Apple pop off. I'm kind of surprised to see Amazon not do so hot. Um, and also, GDP's down 1.4%. What's up with that? We have a lot to cover today, folks, because it's one of those very news-heavy days after, frankly, the only thing to talk about for the last month being Elon Musk and Twitter, which I guess we have to kind of mention, too. But either way, folks, to help me kind of dive through all that, to sort of like go through and find clarity amongst all the noise right now, as always, I'm joined by Justin Kramer, CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Moby.co. Justin, man, what's good? Where in the world are you now? Uh, based in Denver today, but everything's going well. Uh, really happy to and excited to discuss through all of the, <laughs> the shit that you just mentioned. There's a lot going on. Uh, never seems to be a dull moment in 2022, but excited to get into it. Yeah, love it. And I think uh, on the top, though, you actually have some Moby-related news. You want to kind of take me through anything big happening here on the Moby side of things, bro? Yeah, so a lot of a lot of big news on the Moby front. Um, I think there's two big pieces that we can cover briefly for people who are first listening now, via the live version or the recorded version. Um, we're really excited to announce two major kind of announcements going forward. So the first is... Uh, we've been promising and working on our mobile app for a while now. Uh, really, really proud to announce that it is finally done. We released the Apple, so iOS app earlier this week, and the Google app should be coming early next week. Uh, we've been working on this for months now. I'm, like I said, really, really excited to push this. Uh, basically, very similar experience you get for premium members and even free members. Uh, via the website, you're now getting in the mobile app. There'll be more tools coming soon, a lot better layout. Uh, and then on top of that, we're going to be adding a lot more functionality in the in the coming months and, and years to come. We'll be offering the ability to trade in there, custodian your assets in there, action off the strategies we're doing, adding more tools. There's there's going to be a lot going on. So I'm really excited to to continue progressing there and building more. So this is what's really cool about this Discord channel and people listening live. You have direct access to me, the rest of the team as we're hiring. So if you have product requests, you have questions, we're, we're here to help you. So super excited to roll that out. And the next announcement, which is coming, is the ability we're able to do this scale and continue to grow the team, is we're looking to complete our next round of funding, which will enable more hiring, more great things for everyone who's listening. Um, and so I'm really excited to kind of get through that and then be able to continuously build and, and offer more things. We, we have, we're doing something really special here. So I'm just really excited to see it grow and eventually become, you know, a massive finance app for all different types of investors. And eventually you'll be <laughs> looking back and, and be super proud to say I was an early adopter. And we couldn't have done this without you, you know, our first adopter audience here listening to us right now. So thank you so much for being with us on this journey, especially at the very, very beginning here. You have no idea how much it means to us and you have no idea how much we value your feedback. So please download that app if you have iOS and hang out with us uh, in Android jail until about next week. Um, and then I'm just excited to get feedback from y'all. This is also going to give us the ability to, you know, put out more product updates even faster, too. So all the amazing suggestions you've been making to us, audience, um, those are coming down 
down the pipe as well. So we're going to begin the real strong product side here, and there's just a lot of really exciting things happening. But of course, uh, we, uh, less self-serving, let's get more into the markets because there's even more going on there. Justin, I mean, let's just get this out of the way real fast. Like this is, this literally feels like a year ago now just with how fast this week is going. But uh, on Monday, obviously, the Twitter board accepted Elon Musk's bid to buy them out. Uh, what gives, man? Uh, Tesla stocks, you know, still kind of reacting to it. How do you feel about this acquisition? Good, bad, so-so? Or is it just kind of irrelevant? Is it just more smoke and mirrors than anything else? It's just crazy because like literally a week ago, two weeks ago, the market wasn't even pricing us in. They didn't think there was a chance it was going to happen. First, he said, I'm going to buy the company. Then I'm going to join the board. Then I'm not going to join. Then I want to own the company. Now I'm just going to buy the whole thing. The <laughs> The amount of events and things this guy is involved in is, is frankly just mind-blowing. Having said that, how is it going to shake out for the company? I mean, they're going private. So as investors, it's less of a concern for us because they're just no longer going to be trading for this foreseeable future. But for just from a platform standpoint, he definitely believes in free speech to the to the ninth degree. So we will see how that shakes out. From an investing standpoint, like I said, there's not really much going on there because um, we're not going to be able to trade it in the public markets. But how that influences elections, how it influences politics, social matters, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting from a from a company standpoint in terms of Tesla, SpaceX, some of the other things he's involved in. We'll see how much time he's actually committing to the platform because uh, at this point he's basically CEO slash owner of four different companies. So it's definitely a bit scary for Tesla and some other things, but he has such a core focus there and a lot of his wealth tied up there. I would be absolutely shocked if it really like materially affects the company in the long run. And uh, from my view, I'm hoping that he's actually going to be the owner slash chief operator of five companies soon. My ultimate dream in life is that he spins Starlink out of SpaceX, makes its back IPO, and then allows us to make truly insane amounts of money from satellite broadband. But that's, you know, my pie in the sky hope. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where, like, it, there's just too much energy in this market right now. It's really hard to say if it's going to have a material effect. A lot of people dunking on the acquisition saying it's what's driving down Tesla stock. Uh, there's a lot of things to be causing this Tesla stock downturn. So we'll kind of have to, rem like, wait and see how this all shakes out. But, you know, a fascinating fascinating experiment in terms of leveraged buyouts and how that all plays out. Really weird time. Can't wait to see how it shakes out. But let's get into the actual economy. Let's get, get into things that we as traders can actually give a hoot about, Justin. So a lot of earning stuff coming in, like a lot of really exciting stuff in terms of like the way we're going to be thinking about our long-term positions. And so let's just see if we can't suss out what's happening here. Uh, I guess the most surprising news that I'm surprised nobody's talking about this, like it's not really all over Twitter or anything, but US GDP declined one5 percent in a recent report um do you think that's more like to do with the pandemic is this the great resignation like when we look at gdp like uh is gdp going up or down kind of an indicator for the rest of the market moving forward justin yeah so gdp like going down is i mean is it the world's most boring thing probably like most people don't care but it is important um like you look at typical later stage economies and what happens in later stage economies gdp starts contracting employment starts peaking, inflation starts skyrocketing. I mean, all of this and interest rates start going up. All the signs that we're at the peak, at the edge, if not on the downturn of like the economic boom of the last like 10 plus years is I think starting to become really obvious. Having said that, like it is healthy in the long run. Like we should be going through economic cycles. It can't always be booming. It can't always be a bust. It's, it's a slow, steady ride up. So long story short, with GDP decreasing, like it is a bit scary that we could be heading towards some sort of recessionary event. But from what we've seen so far, it's nothing to be too panicked of. It's just part of normal cycles. 
uh, and hopefully with inflation getting under control in the near future, rates rising, things becoming a bit more normalized, we can enter into a period where we regroup, fix, and then enter into the hopefully the next decade plus of growing prosperous times. Exactly. And it's just one of those things like you always kind of know what's happening way after the fact, too. And so GDP is a really interesting indicator right now. Obviously, there's a lot of concerns that, you know, tightening Fed policy is going to cool down the economy enough to make us technically have a recession. But at the same time, like I think our generation of investors has been trained to think of recession as far more catastrophic a word than it actually is. Uh, in reality, recessions usually kind of play out slow. Like there's events that kind of happen across several fiscal quarters, and then you come out of them across several more fiscal quarters. Whereas uh, us as investors, like my very, like when I was finally old enough to actually have a salary and start investing, uh, that was 2008. So that was uh, my first really experience with the stock market. It, you know, completely collapsing and me just kind of like starting from the bottom with everybody else. And then obviously the next recession we heard about was the big COVID crash in 2020. So uh, it, it would be nice just to have like a normal run of the mill regular recession, frankly, like recessions aren't the end of the world. Like this is, a, we are in the midst of a grand, massive, globalized economic experiment that's only uh, about a century old at this point. Like the monetary system we have in place only really solidified post-World War II. So even calling it 100 years is kind of aggressive. So um, the fact that, you know, we've, we've uh, seen a lot of growth, a lot of good, and a lot of these slow recessions is a good thing. It's healthy for the economy, and it's going to create churn and create opportunity for shareholder growth, especially if you're in this for the long term. So now let's get into sort of the micro stuff and begin thinking about, like, individual winners and losers in this potentially recessionary, but probably just kind of volatile environment. First and foremost, the biggest surprise today, obviously, Justin, is Amazon's down 6%. Um, they had, they adjusted their revenue expectations for 2022 downward and everyone's like, okay, I'm out stocks down 10% and after hours, uh, <laughs> quick lull moment. Amazon has lost $7.6 billion off of their investment in Rivian, um, which is genuinely surprising because obviously it's, it's Amazon. Like they uh, are a growth machine. Not only are they absolutely brilliant at e-commerce, but they, they're so well diversified, especially with AWS. Uh, how do I make sense of this? Like, like why on earth? would uh, the market kind of, was was Amazon overbought or is this more of a situation where people are kind of starting to think well maybe retail is not really the game anymore yeah it's a really good question right now um, a lot of companies have been just reporting better earnings every single quarter for a bit now especially coming out of like the pandemic and so now going into a similar to like kind of roll with your questions before with GDP we're starting to see the slowdown not only in economic cycles but in company earning cycles People are spending less as inflation goes up and things get more expensive. And so Amazon, a lot of these retail-based platforms that had been increasing at the rate of real income growth over the last year are starting to take a slowdown. And like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, uh, what's his name? Like Mugatu in, uh, in Derek Zoolander in that movie where he's like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's like, we've been telling everyone this is going to come for a while. And then we go on CNBC and they're flashing red everywhere and no one understand why and everyone acts surprised. Granted, they're just trying to sell fear to get clicks, but this, this should be obvious trends. Like things are going to get ridiculously expensive. Consumers will start spending less. Like it, it just, it is what it is. So you look at platforms like Amazon, you look at other platforms, this shouldn't come as a major surprise. Again, this is part of economic cycles. People can't afford to spend as much. They spend more, they go up and down. Um, it's, this is, very predictable. And so we've been calling a move off retail-based stocks now for the last six months. And this just kind of further solidifies our stance on it. 
Exactly. And the thing that's the, the thing that's only surprising about that is just the lack of a contagion event. The thing we were thinking about when we were beginning to do this research and beginning to think about uh, this not quite retail apocalypse, but this realignment of retail based on just the amount pe that people want to sell, uh, buy, I should say. The thing we were thinking about was we'd see at least one big retailer like have a moment where they their sales went down and it caused a contagion event across all of retail. Instead, what we're seeing is just kind of a slow burn. So now that we've seen Amazon come out, it's going to be really interesting seeing other retailers and see how they play through this, which for me kind of solidifies um, our position in Shopify too, considering that they're more of a platform play, more reliant on people just having shops as opposed to, you know, having all the infrastructure as well. So it's a very interesting time. Um, so in getting into that, there's a couple more earnings calls we want to get into. But before we do that, Justin, I just want to quick show the audience my notes real fast. I think it's really important to, uh, do, when we're talking about the, the picks we make, it's important for our listening audience to understand um, at least our thought process as we begin to make individual picks. And so in order to do that, I'm going to tell you guys about, uh, I'm, I'm slowly but surely deciding I'm making a call in terms of um, another pharmaceutical position. And I just want to let you guys know what's going on in terms of that. So I'm trying to decide between Merck and Eli Lilly right now. Uh, both reported really strong earnings today. Merck is up uh, about 6% now. 20% uh, of Merck's revenue is based off of this kind of wonder drug they have for treating COVID as well as a borderline I, I'm a I'm a life sciences guy so everything's like amazing to me so just kind of you know take that with a grain of salt of a borderline miraculous antigen treatment for cancer called Keytruda um, Merck, Merck's uh, doing really well but my question is are they going to keep doing well long term or is it one of those things where people are going to need less and less COVID treatment at the same time Eli Lilly had developed a drug around uh, treating type 2 diabetes which is in stage 2 trials right now for actually a being a obesity treatment and so what's going to be the big winner here folks is it going to be you know um, diversifying cancer treatments, continually treating COVID throughout, or is it treating America's actual biggest health crisis right now? And so as I do that math, kind of expect me to make a pick either way in terms of what's going to win in pharmaceuticals, because this period in time is all about finding individual winners in industries so you can kind of maximize your short-term earnings. I mean, both Merck and Eli Lilly are great long-term plays. My bias, of course, is towards Merck. My family has owned Merck stock since the 70s. I was raised by pharmaceutical researchers. Um, so just keep that in mind. And that's why I never did a report on Merck. I'm mad that I didn't. Sometimes uh, invest in what you know, and sometimes audience just trust your intuition. I thought I was just being a little bit too pro-Merck since that's the stock what put me through college. Um, <clears throat> otherwise, audience, that's the main thing to think about. Pharmaceuticals looking really Really strong right now. But Justin, thank you for letting me like take that moment to just show my notes to folks uh, real fast. Uh, as we look through this too, it's really interesting to see um, uh, my portfolio is pretty happy today on, on this news. But honestly, personally, I'm pretty pissed because Meta is up 17%. Uh, their revenue is finally coming back. Um, is this one of those things where it's kind of like a dead cat bounce situation? Or do you think Meta is going to be able to turn this around and actually build this metaverse even with kind of like all the concerns we have with like uh, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, Metaverse is, <laughs> the whole idea of the Metaverse is, if you think about it, it's really not that old. Um, you look back and before Facebook has started having like these scandals and those things, and before they rebranded, like the talk of the Metaverse coming out of them just like wasn't that robust. They announced the Metaverse, then Roblox starts getting into it, all these companies start getting into the Metaverse, especially with the rise of NFTs. And it's just really interesting seeing like this whole concept of like the Metaverse, like really start to take shape. Um, we'll, we'll see obviously how it all shakes out given it's just so early in the whole life cycle that it's like really impossible to say, but if you're looking at like how the stock is reacting right now, we see a massive surge after we see 
a larger than expected profit and rebounded from a drop in users. So the real rebound we're seeing is not really attributed to like this massive metaverse that they're building. It's actually just them pulling more of a profit as they've raised prices, CPMs have gone up um, and users have increased in some capacity. So I think when you're looking at how the market's reacting to them, I think they're less concerned about the metaverse in particular and just the pure fundamentals, which is what is driving every single company. Uh, companies just, and this is getting to the next point, companies just aren't like worth what they used to be. Um, they used to be trading at ridiculous multiples. So if you think of a company, a company's enterprise value or some sort of measure of value and then divided by some sort of measure of profitability like sales, net income, something else, that's how you derive these multiples. And these multiples used to be super high, but now with interest rates going back up, like by definition, the multiples have to go down. So companies are just getting slashed, even if they're not doing anything wrong. You pair that with like pretty poor earnings and it just doesn't set up for a good cycle. Um, but yeah, so with, with Facebook, it's very interesting. In theory, they had a better report. We'll see if it's sustainable. Uh, they missed on revenue, but uh, I think with the continued iOS privacy challenges, transition to Reels, some of the other stuff, uh, it's going to continually be a very, very rocky road for them. And one of those rocky, you know, areas, of course, is crypto, too, which we have not been trying to avoid. It's just there hasn't been much n news to talk about. And so a lot of our audience has been asking us, like, what in the hell is happening in crypto? And it's just one of those things where there's so much volatility. If I said anything about crypto audience, uh, the minute I say it, it starts being relevant. But I think I finally have, you know, some good long term pressure that we can at least kind of start describing to you. Uh, one very underreported moment here this week, Justin, too, was JP Morgan two days ago announcing that they're going to start including Bitcoin in 401ks, which me, as somebody who has a JP Morgan 401k, has me absolutely salivating. This is just another awesome moment where more institutional money is coming into the crypto space. And so we're finally getting more of that slow money. Is there anything our audience should be thinking about in terms of just kind of like monitoring the crypto situation? Obviously, the market didn't like blow up on the news that this happened. I mean, again, nobody cared. But for me, that's a huge, huge win for all of crypto. Um, is that something that like you see as a huge win? Or am I kind of being over excited seeing more institutional money pour into the crypto space yeah i mean we we called this out like i think about a month or two ago was starting to see like real institutional ad adoption so like the more we see that the more we see like companies endowment funds pension funds like you name it governments like start to pour in the more that it'll give you like long-term conviction and like future price appreciation so if you're looking at short term i don't think it's going to have a material effect if you're looking at long term I think you'd be beyond foolish to think that there's there's not going to be an effect with massive investment like the by demand like it has to go up especially for some of the deflationary coins so to date most of the rally for the last decade has been around retail investors like the stock market is moved by the whales moved by massive institutions and they're barely touching the crypt like crypto in general so you have these institutions pouring in for once we get past this quote unquote recessionary period, like interest rates normalize, inflation normalizes, companies start growing again, and like the stock market goes back up, crypto is going to start spiking up with it. So if you want to start accumulating more on huge down days and you're a long-term believer like we are, I think there's going to be massive, massive price appreciation in the future. 
And that's a good point to keep in mind. Again, like the whole thesis of this entire show audience is that, yes, we talk about the market week over week, and therefore you hear us kind of overreacting to market news week over week. But you as an investor win on a quarter by quarter slash year by year time scale. So um, while I would love to see Bitcoin in, in the 20s, just so I could like really double down on buying, seeing seeing Bitcoin right now at 39 is like a, just a really excellent opportunity in terms of waiting for the next yep. sort of big cycle to come in. And the number one thing you have to think about as an investor audience is how weird this time is and how permanently changed a lot of industries are by the retail investing revolution. So this institutional money is going to add a lot of energy to crypto, but it's going to be very interesting to see how retail investors react to that institutional money. Is retail investing going to be a shock absorber for when institutional people kind of get in and out? Or is it going to be one of those things where it accelerates trends like uh, whales dump and therefore retail investors dump to follow as well? Uh, that honestly remains to be seen. Like we are, we are completely in a new dynamic. When we talk about the market, we've secretly been talking about the machinations of big banks and hedge funds for the longest time because individual investors don't have that big of an effect. Now we kind of have at least a measurable one, not necessarily a large one, but a measurable one. And it's going to be really interesting to see how these dynamics play out. So anybody who tells you, oh, well, I mean, this is how it played out in the 90s, we're in a completely different paradigm right now. And so that, as somebody who reports on the market, that's something I'm very, very excited to watch and think about moving forward. And that's kind of what you really need to think about right now. Like, this is an awesome podcast today. I'm having a lot of fun. Earnings season is the best, especially when the big like the big four all put their earnings out together. You've got um, you got Meta, you got Apple, you got Amazon today specifically. All, all, my, all my pharmaceutical buddies putting out uh, good earnings today. But, you know, that's a brief high. We're going to go right back to volatility. And so what you want to do is watch secondary effects. Meta's up 17%, and that reversed Snap's course downward. Like, sometimes individual events can prove out whole industries. So it's awesome to see Snap up 6%. And sort of like people, uh, the reason Snap was down in the first place was, oh, because all of social media was down. And so just keep that in mind. Like you want to watch the second second tier effects of all of these events as well, even the small ones. Like we're not going to see the second tier events of GDP being down 1.4% until a couple of quarters from now when people declare it a full-on recession and maybe whales get a little bit more defensive in their investing and we see even more volatility, but that all remains to be seen. So really excited to keep exploring that with you. Excited for y'all to do that via our app. Um, we are getting, you know, a little bit to the, to the end here, Justin. So again, I guess the main thing is also just thinking about how we look at individual winners and losers in these industries. Uh, one piece of research we put out this week that people are curious about, if you want to elaborate on, is Blackstone. So they had a really strong earnings call. Was it this week or last week? Um, their their portfolio is looking really poised for this moment. They've got a lot of um, fee-paying uh, assets under management. Their, their REITs are getting just strong investments as well. And their company portfolio is very revenue-heavy, which is great for inflationary times. Is there anything else we can be looking at as we sort of like monitor Blackstone and their growth moving forward? Um, like, how do you think about sort of like the financials right now with right with the competing pressure of both rising rates as well as just like inflation in general that has like both positive and negative effects on financials like Blackstone? Yeah, I mean, Blackstone is taking like the exact approach you want to be taking in this market. Um, not only are they long term investors like us, but they're approaching it and then ultimately investing in the right ways. And so when you think about like deploying capital um, and it kind of ties similarly into what we're doing, I'll go back to Blackstone. As you mentioned, Peter, like this isn't in weeks increments. It's eight, like quarters, months, years um, that you're trying to beat the market and grow real wealth. So like, for example, we launched a strategy the other day 
um, had two months of solid performance. And then last month it did really poor. And like, we're not going to hide behind that. Like it did poor, like that's, it is what it is, but like, we're not measuring in months we're measuring in quarters and years. And for us, if anything, the strategy was really encouraging because we saw that it three X on the upside while only went down 1.5 in the downside. So like we're getting that risk adjusted return that we want higher upside, lower downside. Um, so for us, um, that's how we're thinking about investing and that's how Blackstone is too. They're positioned in REITs well, in alternative assets, um, in commodities, in a lot of like private investments that their typical retail investor doesn't have access to. And they're really hedging a lot of risks that a lot of other major institutions aren't. They're raising AUM like crazy. They're putting on hundreds of billions of dollars a year. They're going to like actually get to a hundred to one over a trillion dollars in assets under management. If like, if you think how crazy that is, like that's an insane number. Um, and they were doing really well, but with the rest of the financials and just the rest of the market in general sliding down, they got hit. But again, to reiterate the theme here of being a multi-decade or multi-year investor, Blackstone is going to massively outperform over the long run. Hell yeah, dude. And I guess that, you know, that also brings us to our other report. We're getting towards the end here, but just want to make sure that like, it's similarly, again, the game you want to play right now, audience, is be as boring as possible. Find companies with strong revenue, specifically in B2B, where you can't have like those large forces mess with you. And so for me, uh, one thing I'm very excited to watch Grove moving forward this year is uh, the OG satellite constellation, Iridium. Um, their stock's up a little bit. Uh, their revenue is doing great great and they are slowly but surely building out a data platform on top of like their regular satellite phone service and i'm very excited to see them uh be sort of like a specific use b2b solution outside of like the starlinks and one webs and whatever and the kuiper that jeff bezos is building um anything else we should watch in terms of what to think about with iridium is there anything else we're missing on the iridium side of things justin no, I think we called it out pretty brilliantly in the report that we released today on Iridium, talking about the constellation that they're building, talking about how they're a more mature satellite play. They're enabling others rather than doing the front-end applications similar to like Starlink and SpaceX. So they're not going to get the height, you know, that like Blue Origin, SpaceX, all these companies get, but they're building and like actually leveraging like satellites across the world in a way that most other platforms haven't even come close yet. So Iridium is a play we've liked for a while. The market responded very well last year when they started reporting solid earnings. They're still reporting solid growth, but again, similar to pretty much every stock, it's being dragged down by the market right now. And so again, don't look at your portfolio every day. Don't look at these names every day. We're here to tell you we're continuing to hold and we really like these guys over the long run. Hell yeah, dude. And that does kind of bring us right to our time. Like I just, it's one of those things where like, there's a lot of things to talk about, but there's not really a cohesive narrative because it's just like, let's just jump from stock pick to stock pick to stock pick. Uh, this all is right. all, you, you, you guys, audience, this is, you're going to find us at our happiest during these time periods because we get to tell you happy green numbers. Line go up today. Line might go straight back down tomorrow because this is volatility season, but line go up today. And that, that's just a good thing. So Justin, before we like go too terribly over time, just going down the list, anything we missed, anything else? that our audience should be kind of keeping in mind or just any final thoughts from you as we go ahead and a you know go into the sunset of a great earning season slash uh go back to the insane work that is uh adding more stuff to our now in existence app <laughs> no i think uh i think we hit the nail on the head there um i think for anyone who has any sort of question wants to get involved or has product requests or just wants 
to ask a simple question. Like, again, you guys are, are early adopters for anyone listening live or listening on the, the podcast, which I know a lot of people do. We're here to serve you. Like, that's why we exist. So please do not hesitate to reach out. Um, we might not get back to you, you know, same day, but we will make sure that we answer and, and, and be thoughtful about it. Exactly, man. And, and that's just the sentiment we, we need right now. And it's just one of those things where we're now that we've got the actual architecture of the app constructed, we also have, you know, a lot more bandwidth and a lot more brain space to look into your requests. So uh, if you're listening to this on a recording, feel free to hit us up over at our discord. You can find that just like in the description of the recording itself. You're here in our discord, hit us up in questions slash suggestions. We've gotten a lot of really great stuff about our quant strategies from our audience, as well as ideas for dashboards that have been genuinely illuminating in terms of how we want to structure this again the goal here is to make you know the best possible finance information uh experience ever basically we want to make sure that we are a brilliant resource for you to help you build the portfolio you want and also make sure that you have a grand understanding of the markets themselves it's one thing you know to give a man a fish but we're trying to teach you how to fish in the investing world here so i really appreciate you being with us here at the very beginning of this journey and i'm so excited to keep building stuff for y'all it's a really great time on the Moby side, a really great time, at least, you know, a moment in the market. But audience, that does really bring us right here to the end. So I'm just going to go ahead and just drop in the credits. Uh, so audience, again, thank you so much for your time. If you have any questions for us, you can hit us up over at our Discord. Again, link in the description. If you're here on Discord, just DM me directly. I'm Mobistar here on Discord. Or if that's too new school for you, I got you, man. I understand. You can email me, peter at moby.co. And we can, uh, we always are A, taking feedback and B, just taking questions in terms of like, what sort of like trends you want us to sort of put our analytics team on at the same time if you want to hear more uh, perspectives from us we are on tiktok you can hit us up at moby moby.co on tiktok moby invest um we're kind of figuring out our lives there as well as on youtube you can see uh a post i did on uh, the history of iridium and why iridium is awesome tomorrow on our youtube channel we're just finalizing it right now regardless audience the thing i really appreciate is your time thank you so much for being with us here today that does bring us right to the end here just so you know this podcast was produced hosted and voiced by me peter star uh if you like the in uh, intellectual advice here that is led by our analytics team which is led by our ceo co-founder and chief analyst justin kramer otherwise audience we really appreciate you being here with us and as always, we like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.